Man, I have just been blown away. You know, uh, it, going through the book of Galatians, we've only been one Sunday in Galatians. And I was so moved this week by my teaching last week and my study of the book of Galatians. We're going to kind of go over a little review in a minute. But first off, before we uh, go over our review, let's turn to Galatians chapter 1. And we're looking at uh, verses 10 through 24. We're going to finish up Galatians chapter 1. And we're going to continue our verse-by-verse study through the book of Galatians. And just so you know, for uh, our Bible students, there was no church at Galatia. Galatia was a region. These were the uh, churches that Paul established on his first and second missionary journey, Iconium, Lystra, Derby. And remember, he came in, he established the gospel in these churches, and, and the, the dogs, as he calls them in Philippians, were coming behind him, the legalizers, the, the, uh, the Judaizers, <laughs> and were promoting legalism, trying to add to grace. And that's why he wrote the book of Galatians, was to correct them. So Galatians chapter 1, let's, let's read verses uh, 10 through 15. For I am now seeking the favor of men or of God, or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. For I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure, and I tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions. But when God, I love that, but when God, God gets into his life, but when God, who had set me apart even from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, was pleased. So this morning, we're continuing our our verse-by-verse study through the book of Galatians. And as you know, Galatians is what many commentators call the gospel of grace. This is the reinforcement of the truth of God's grace. And it's very important that we understand this because it's through grace we understand we're not under the law. It's through grace that we understand we're not bound by sin. We're set free from sin. We're we're given a life to live free from the bondage of sin and to live in the liberty that's in the Lord Jesus Christ. But how many of you remember what I taught last week? Let's go over a quick review. Quick review. The grace equation is this. Jesus plus anything equals nothing. Okay? Our salvation is in Jesus. Our faith is in Jesus. Our hope is in Jesus. Our belief is in Jesus. It's all based on what he did. On what, on what he did. And the foundation of our grace, uh, the foundation of grace, remember what we talked about last week? Let's look at the foundation of grace. And that's based on verses uh, t- 3 and 4 of Galatians chapter 1. The foundation of grace is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We talked about that last week. The incarnate Son of God, the one who came, born of a virgin, lived a sinless, perfect life, suffered and died on the cross, rose from the grave, that person, the Lord Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, the price, the three P's, person, price, purpose, the price, grace is based on the sacrifice 
that he made for us at Calvary. It centers around that event called the cross. What a beautiful, beautiful truth. That If, if you don't like hearing about the cross, you might not want to be right here because we're going to talk a lot about the cross because that cross is everything to us. And then the purpose. The per- so the person of grace, the price of grace, and the purpose of grace, according to verses 3 and 4 in your text of chapter 1, it says in there that he might rescue us he might rescue us from the present evil age. This is God's eternal plan for all men throughout all time to rescue them through Jesus Christ. This is our foundation that we established last week when we looked at verses um, 1 through 10. Well, this morning, we want to build on it. We want to build on it. The grace of God is like a train. It comes in and it wrecks our lives with the love of God. But how many of you know if you get hit by a train, what's going to happen? It's going to leave marks. It's going to leave marks. It's going to leave a lot of marks. It's going to leave a lot of marks. Well, my friend, grace, when it encounters, when it comes into our life, it leaves a mark. And we're going to look at five marks that I have found in the text this morning. Y'all ready to look at those five marks of grace in our life? Let's do it. Let's pray, and then we'll get into uh, verse 10. Father, again, thank you for your word. Lord, as we look at it, Lord, God, as we worshiped and we sing about, as we've read about, as we've talked about, let us understand these awesome, amazing truths of grace and how it impacts our life in, 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 in our personal walk with you, in our daily lives as we live out life here on earth. Lord, we love you and praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Galatians chapter 1, pick it up at verse 10. The Apostle Paul says, for I am now seeking the favor of men or of God. So the question, or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bond servant of Christ. Now, my friend, the scripture teaches that you and I, we are ambassadors for Christ. We are his representatives in the earth. And whether we're preaching or whether we're being a witness we have to ask this question in our, in our walk with Christ. Who am I living to please? Who am I living to please? Who, my goal in preaching, my aim, my mission is to please God in my teaching. Your aim in living out your Christian walk in the daily life is not to please men, but to please God. It is to please God. That is our ultimate aim. That is the mark of grace. When grace, when God's love and his truth and his grace comes in and rearranges our life and transforms us, it gives us a deep desire to please the Lord. How do we please men? It says, um, it says am I seeking the favor of men? How do we please men? How do we seek the favor of men? We tell people what they want to hear and not what they need to hear. We, we pacify them. When it comes to spiritual things and it talks about Christianity, when it comes to Christianity, we, talk about, we don't talk about sin. And we don't talk about the deep and the serious things that they need to hear. If, from the pulpit, you now, from the pulpit and preaching and teaching as I go through the Bible, to avoid the subject, the tough subjects of the doctrine of hell, of sanctification, of repentance, of turning from sin, if I avoid those subjects, my goal is seeking to please men, and I can't do that. Our goal 
as a mark of grace in our life is to please the Lord, is to represent him, whether I'm teaching from the pulpit, whether you're living out the Christian life, whether you're witnessing someone, is to, in a loving, graceful manner, speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. To teach and present what the word says in our everyday life and everything we do. We are ambassadors. We represent him. And we've got to represent his word because him, God and his word are inseparable. Because 2 Timothy 3.16 says all scripture is inspired by God. This represents the heart of God. And we've got to represent it. And when we do that, we please the Father. But notice it says in the second half of verse 10, he says, um, if I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. My friend, we show our loyalty to God, as I said a while ago, by standing on his word. Um, how many of y'all seen the movie God's Not Dead? I, I saw, I found this principle of this loyalty to God. We have to be loyal to God even when it's difficult. How many of you ever been in difficult situations? I've been in difficult situations where you're tempted not to stand for your faith. Your palms are getting sweaty. Your knees are knocking. You're getting all sweaty. But you've got to dig deep and say, Lord, help me to stand for truth. Grace Wesley's statement was at the very end, in case you didn't catch it, she says, I would rather stand with God and be judged by the world than stand with the world and be judged by God. Let me tell you something. That's some intestinal fortitude. That's somebody who's been transformed and changed on the inside. Folks, friends, we need to realize this. We're like Daniel. We're like Daniel and Babylon. And this world is not our home. And and we're called to stand for our faith. Now, it's easy to stand for our faith when times are simple and easy and there's no challenge. But it's when we get into the pressure cooker of the world and we get surrounded by unbelievers and, and world views and philosophies that oppose ours, we got to stand firm. we got to stand firm. So the first mark of grace, if you're taking notes this morning, is this. There is a loyalty to Jesus Christ. When, when, the, when the, the train of grace hits you and transforms your life and it leaves its mark, the first mark is a loyalty to the Lord Jesus Christ. Our goal and our aim is to please him. Amen? That's the first mark of grace. Let's continue verse 11. Verse 11 says, uh, For I would have you to know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul keeps on emphasizing this truth over and over. We saw this a lot at the end of 2 Corinthians, and he continues it in the book of Galatians. But the thrust of Galatians is this. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not according to man. It's not according to man's ideas. It's not according to man's thoughts. It's not according to man's inventions. You know, a lot of times we like to say the gospel according to Matthew, the gospel according to Luke, or the gospel... Uh, the, the letter of Paul to Corinth. I understand it, and I call him that too sometimes. But ultimately, the ultimate origin of our Bible is God. It is his letter to us. It's his love letter to you. It's his, truth, his, his word of truth to you. It's his word of grace to you. And we've got to understand that as we read the text of the Bible, that we understand that we're hearing from God. As we open the pages of Scripture, you want to hear God's voice? Open your Bible. 
and read the pages of scripture and let and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to give you rhema, to give you revelation, to help you understand the word of God. But as you pray and you get into the word in your quiet time, God is speaking directly to you by his word. He knew that we were fallen creatures where we have bad habits. We don't always do good things and we don't always have spiritual ears. So he gave us this infallible truth, this foolproof way to get through to our hearts. And it's his word. And according to verses 11 and 12, we have to make it clear that this word is not according to man, but it as Paul says, it was a revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, Paul is also, throughout the book of Galatians, he's continuing to defend his apostleship. Remember, he was not one of the original disciples. So we see this thread throughout Corinthians and Galatians where, and we're going even to even, get even more into it next week when we get into chapter 2, how Paul says, hey, you guys were with him for three and a half years, but he, I, he appeared to me on the Damascus Road he goes off to Arabia. He spends three years in Arabia. We know very little about that time frame. But the Lord Jesus Christ directly appeared to the Apostle Paul. So he'll be defending that. So the Apostle Paul's writings in the New Testament share equal value with the Gospels and those of the writings of the original disciples. Let's continue in verse 13. He says, for you have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure, and I tried to destroy it. How many of you have a BC testimony? <laughs> you know, we had this before Christ. I was doing this, and I was doing that. Every single one of us in here have a testimony of where God rescued us from. And Paul here is giving his BC testimony. You know, there's power in a testimony. You know, and there's nothing wrong and a witness encounter with sharing your testimony and letting people see what the grace of God does in your life. But the things that Paul points to in his past, in verses 13 there, first one is his Judaism. Who was Paul a student under, according to Scripture? Gamaliel, one of the most revered teachers of the time. Paul was schooled under Gamaliel. He calls himself a Pharisee of Pharisee, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Of the law, Paul says, I was, he was blameless. He was, matter of fact, Philippians 3, 5 says, uh, Paul says, I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee. He was very, very religious. And the second thing it says in verse 13 here, it says he hated the church. He hated the church. Do you realize, I think it's 14 of the 27 books in the New Testament are written by the Apostle Paul. This guy, he hated Christianity. He hated Christians. He was there giving wholehearted approval to the stoning of Stephen. He couldn't stand Christianity. But notice it says in verse 13, he says, I like what he says, talking about the past. He says, this was my former manner of life. Now, how did Paul view his past? How did this surpassing greatness of knowing the Lord Jesus Christ, that train of grace hit his life. It transformed him. He's been marked by grace. And now when he looks back at his past, listen to what he says in uh, Philippians 3.8. He says, more than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them but rubbish, 
so that I may gain Christ. Do you see the value that grace put on Paul for the Lord Jesus Christ? Jesus was everything. That was his passion. That was his zeal. That was his fire. In Philippians 3.8, Paul, he says, I count them all but rubbish. If you look it up in the word, that that word rubbish, it means skybalon. The Greek word is skybalon. It means horse dung. It means animal dung. He considered everything, all of his past life, horse dung compared to knowing Jesus Christ. It was a zeal. It was a fire inside of him that nobody could put out. So the second mark of grace, the second mark of grace is this. God gives you the ability to leave the past behind. He completely gives you the ability to leave the past behind, to forget it, to let it go, and to focus forward on the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 3.14 says, he says, you've noticed these three verses we're looking at, they're all from Philippians chapter 3, just a magnificent passage that will be there in a couple months when we get to that book. But Philippians 3.14, a couple verses after Philippians 3.8, Paul says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The Christian life, whether you're a new Christian, a seasoned Christian, or wherever you're at in your life, is about moving forward. It's about moving forward and forgetting what lies behind. The old sin, the old life. But how about the stuff that you do as a Christian? You know, we all, get, we all blow it. We all blow it. We all have, at times, have foot-in-the-mouth syndrome. Or we do things that we regret. Or we make mistakes. Or we sin against someone. We confess it. We repent. We turn away. And then we move forward in life. You know, we face a lot of, you face a lot of challenges in life. You face a lot of difficulties in life. Resolve them and then let them go. And as a Christian, keep moving forward. Me and Irene have just, in ministry, have just focused on moving forward and not stopping. And no matter what you do, whatever ministry God calls you to, you got to be moving forward. You can't be stagnant. You can't be sitting still. You need to be moving forward in your love for Jesus, in your passion for Jesus, for getting into his word, to doing ministry, to doing life together. You always got to be moving forward. So the second mark is he gives us the ability to leave the past behind. Verse 14, uh, Paul says, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral Traditions. Now, what's he talking about? Ancestral traditions. Ancestral traditions were the um, they were the oral traditions that were passed on. He's not talking about the Old Testament here. He's talking about um, the rabbis of the day had a commentary on the Old Testament. A couple hundred years later, when they formalized it and put it in writing, it became uh, known as the Mishnah. But it was they were so consumed not with reading the Bible, but with with um, reading commentaries and reading what everybody else said about the Bible. There's something special about just opening the Bible. There's something special about sitting down with a cup of coffee early in the morning and just opening your Bible in your lap and just reading God's Word. Instead of going to the commentaries, don't get me wrong, I like commentaries. I got Bible logos. I love that Bible logos. 
I love Bible Logos. I love all the search engines and the tools and the learning the word. But that does not replace my time in God's word. It does not replace my time in God's word. Uh, Jesus had some words to say about these ancestral traditions because they were ongoing even in Jesus' day. In Mark chapter 7, verses 6 and 8, Jesus says this, Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, talking to the Pharisees, as it is written, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines and precepts of men, neglecting the commandments of God, you hold to the traditions of men. Again, the word of God stands alone. Uh, no book is equal to it. It stands here. Everything else is below. And when you want to go, when you need a word from heaven, when you need, you, you're in a time of need and you need a word from heaven, open up your Bible and see what God says. Get one of those, uh, those Bible promise books where it says in the very beginning all the things that you could be struggling with and find out where area you're, you're dealing with in life and go and look to the Word of God and meditate on that passage and let him, let him work in you. You know, my friends, it's the Bible. It's the Bible that reveals the gospel to us. It's the Bible that reveals grace to us. You know, this, this Word is called the Word of Grace. It's called the Word of Grace. The third mark of grace, if you're taking notes, when you get hit by this train called grace, is you will want to abide in his word. It is the word of grace. Paul said, or excuse me, Luke wrote in Acts chapter 20, verse 32. Um, look at me. You hear what I just said? Luke wrote. God inspired Luke to write. <laughs> um, but the Lord says in Acts 20, verse 32, uh, he says, and now I commend to you, to God, and here it is, to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you inheritance among all those who are sanctified. The Bible is what keeps us in grace. You know, again, I love commentaries. I, I love listening to people teach, but the best way to guard your heart and to protect yourself and to stay in grace and the mark of a believer is to stay in scripture. You know, I'm not going to tell you how long or how much, you know, I just tell it, people when I talk to people and encourage people and counsel people, I say, hey man, just carve out some part of your day, whether it's morning, midday or noon and spend some time in the word, spend some time in the word and do it on a regular consistent basis. And that will protect your heart and that will keep you in grace. You know, we're so easily influenced and swayed to the left and swayed to the right that God has given us his word as his truth, as his guidance to show us grace. Amen? Let's look at verse 15. But when God, who had set me apart, even from my mother's womb, called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me, so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood. Again, Paul here is establishing himself as an apostle. There were a lot of people that were questioning his apostleship because he was not one of the 12 disciples. But I want you to notice in verses 15 and 16 there that this, God, by his grace, he did multiple things here. 
for Paul and he does them for you and me also. And that is, by his grace, he called you. He called you to himself. He, 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 he called you to himself. And then it says, he set you apart even from my mother's womb. God knew you before you were born. He formed you. He fashioned you. He knew that Daniel was going to be coming into this world. He knew that Connor was going to be coming into this world. He formed you and he fashioned you for a purpose. What does that say about life? Life begins at conception. Life begins at conception. And we need to do everything we can to protect the unborn. Because it is God who creates life. It is God who calls people. And he does it according to the text, according to the scripture, and other places in the book of Psalms, that he does it even before we are born. The big one here, the big one here, um, talking about the four marks of grace, is um, in verse 16. He says there, uh, to reveal his son in me. The fourth mark of grace is this, we are transformed from the inside out. He says, to reveal his son in me. Some commentators struggle with this verse and say, well, it should say, to reveal his son to me. Because Paul's referencing the road to Damascus where he saw Jesus. And he witnessed him with his eyes and he saw him. But notice the words Paul uses in this passage. He says, to reveal his son in me. That's so important. Paul's saying, yeah, I witnessed it and I saw it. But the real transformation happened on the inside. It happened on the inside. And we need to remember that grace produces a change that starts on the inside. He works his way out. God works in our heart, and then he works his way out into how we live our lives. But it always starts in the heart. You know, so many times people will come to Christ, and, and they get the hedge trimmers out. They're trying to clip all the things, all the bad areas of their life and all their bad habits and all the things they're doing. But what they really need to focus on is their heart and the heart attitude towards those things. Because grace starts in the heart. It does not start in our outer actions. Once we have a change of heart, once we have a change of mind, the outside will change. And grace will transform us. So the fourth mark of grace is, is we're transformed from the inside out. It starts on the inside. Let's continue. Verse 17. He says, Nor did I go to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away to Arabia and returned once more to Damascus. Little is known. We're, we're given very little information about what Paul did in Arabia. We know that he did some e e evangelism there and some witnessing there because one of the leaders tried to take him out later on um, in, the, in the book of Acts. But very, very little is known about what took place in Arabia. We know that he was there for three years. You know what I believe it was? I believe that time in Arabia was the most important time for the Apostle Paul's ministry. It was three years of just him and Jesus. And, how, you know, can you agree with me? That's what we need more than anything is when, we, when, a, when a believer first comes to Christ, that they spend a long time with Jesus. You don't just get saved and jump into ministry the next day. You know, there's a season of growing. There's a season of uh, intimacy. 
There's a, a season of getting to know the Lord and spending time in his word. So the fifth mark of the train of grace when it rolls into our lives is this. We spend alone time with God. Paul was in Arabia. We know very little other than the Lord took him there, but the Lord was preparing him to be what? The, the, the apostle to the Gentiles, to bust up the, the great commission and taking it to the Gentile world. This, this alone time, it's in this alone time, it's in this quiet time, it's in your season of your Arabia, if you want to call it that, where you're spending time with the Lord, where he gives you grace. It's in, it's in this time in Arabia where he answers prayer. It's in this time in, in your Arabia where you experience intimacy with him and you love him more than anything and, and you grow in grace. Amen? Amen. Verses 18, let's look at uh, verses 18 through 21. So those are the, before I go, before we move there, th those are the five marks of grace. Those are the five marks of grace. Uh, so we established what grace was last year. Grace is like a train. It comes in, it wrecks our lives with the love of God. It transforms us and it makes us. And, and in our verse-by-verse -verse study, those are the five marks of grace I present to you based on the passage that we're reading this morning. Man, go home and meditate on these things. You, you, you start studying Galatians with me. Go home this week and continue through the gospel of grace and pick up on these nuggets that you see in Scripture and let it transform you. That's where God wants you, to be transformed by his grace and let these areas of grace. Uh, grace was... Uh, an amazing thing that God gave us, his unmerited favor through the Lord Jesus Christ. And he wants to transform your life in these five areas. Verse 18. Then three years later, I went up to Jerusalem to become acquainted with Caiaphas and stayed with him 15 days. But I did not see any of the others of the apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Paul's on a, he's on a, he's on a constant defense He's on a constant defense, and he, this is where he throws in verse 20. Now, in what I am writing to you, I assure you before God, I am not lying. Then I went into the regions of Syria and, and Sicilia. The point of what's going on in the context of Paul during the first century, I guess you, you say verses 16 through 21, this is what Paul's point is in, in writing Galatians. He's saying this, that flesh and blood, that is human beings, did not do the following. Human beings did not call the Apostle Paul. They did not call him. It was God. Human beings did not reveal Christ to Paul. Christ revealed himself to Paul. Human beings, flesh and blood, did not make him an apostle. The Lord Jesus Christ did on the road to Damascus. Paul was not dependent on the other apostles. So Paul, we see this throughout the book of Acts, and we'll talk more about it next week when we get into the Jerusalem Council of Acts chapter 15, which Paul referenced in, in Galatians chapter 2. But Paul is steadily having to defend his apostleship. We're going to see other places in the text where there was this uh, suspicion. There was the suspicion of Paul. Paul's like, my gospel came from Jesus Christ. But we're going to see next week He's going to go to Jerusalem 
and he's going to present his gospel to make sure he says in the text that I'm not running the race in vain. Now, Paul, you've already said your gospel is from Jesus Christ. Why are you presenting it to the apostles? I believe it was in the spirit of unity. He knew his gospel was directly from the Lord Jesus Christ. But in a spirit to be unified with the other apostles, he's going to present his teaching, and we're going to see it prevails. It prevails through grace. Um, point, uh, verses 16 through 21 here, as, as, I, as I presented to you what the flesh and blood did not do, it's like this. Grace was a lightning bolt. Grace was a lightning bolt that hit Paul unexpectedly on the road to Damascus, and now he's establishing this new life and this new mission that he has. He says, it, he said, it, it struck me like a lightning bolt. Everything Paul had, it came from Christ. Have you, have you all been to see the, new, the movie yet, the, the Paul the Apostle? I'm going to try to go see it this week. It's playing at the Dollar Movies right here on St. Andrews. I like good deals. You like good deals? And, I, and, I've taught, and I've listened to some good Bible commentators um, talk about it, and they said it, 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 they did very well in representing the scriptural Apostle Paul. So looking forward to seeing that. This man chained by grace at the end of his life, 67 uh, A.D., he's in a prison, chained between two guards, and the man will not stop talking about Jesus. That's all he lived for. That was his passion. That was his passion was grace. you got to remember, man, this was... This was a very challenging time in world history. All the world knew was Judaism. All the world knew was uh, the Old Testament. And, and when Christianity came in, it transformed everything because all of a sudden it was no more longer about law, but it was about grace through this Galilean named Jesus. Amazing. It transformed the world. So we, as, as we're looking at this and we're going through our verse-by-verse -verse study of Galatians, you need to understand that also. That as we go through Corinthians and um, Acts and Galatians, you're seeing this transition in God's program from law to grace. What a beautiful book this is. The gospel of grace, Galatians. I'm just blown away by it. It's, it's just it's amazing. Let's, let's wrap this up here. Verse 22 says, uh, Paul says, I was still unknown by sight to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ, but only that they kept hearing, he who once persecuted us is now preaching the faith which he once tried to destroy, and they were glorifying God because of me. Paul the apostle, his former name was Saul. He was a Pharisee, zealous for the law, and now God has changed his name, and he is Paul. That word Paul, you know what it means? It means a little one. It's what little one. And that's how Paul viewed his life. He, he viewed his life as little compared to the greatness of God and compared to the grace that came through Jesus Christ. He was little. He was like, he is great, I am small. That was Paul's philosophy and mentality. Paul went from a, a Jesus-hating church persecuting Pharisee to one of the greatest servants in New Testament history. What an amazing thing. Paul, the greatest servant of the New Testament, he brought the gospel to the Gentile world. He wrote 
13 of the 27 New Testament books, 14 if you include Hebrews. <laughs> but what an amazing, you know, God didn't school somebody up and train them up for years and years and years and years and years through schools and through systems to write these 14 letters. He saved someone. He brought someone out of darkness. He brought someone out of religion to transform them and use them to write these 14 letters. Don't tell me, this is the thought I want to close with, don't tell me that grace can't change your situation. Okay? Don't tell me that grace can't change where you're at. So if you're here this morning, I don't care what you're going through. Okay? I'm sorry, that didn't sound right. I do care what you're going through. But I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rephrase that. Let me rewind that. I don't care the depth of what you're going through compared to the grace of God. He can come in wherever you're at. So whatever you are struggling with, that's what I meant to say. Whatever you're struggling with, it is not, you're not that far gone that grace can't come in and change your heart. Look at what everything that went through Paul. Look, it stripped him of his religion. It stripped him of his anger, his hatred. It transformed everything. And no matter what you're going through this morning, no matter, I, I said that wrong. I'm still wrestling with that thought of what I just said. No matter what you're going through, no matter what the depth is of the difficulty you're facing. How about that? Does that sound better? <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Greg. Thank you. No matter what the difficulty is of what you're going through, God's grace is greater. Amen? Amen? Amen. And he wants that for your life. Please. Now, God, God's a gentleman. He's not going to force himself on you. You know, we're not robots. You've got to do one thing. You've got to open your heart and say, Lord, I need this. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for your grace. Lord, thank you for this study through the book of Galatians. And Lord, just let grace transform us. Let it come into our lives. Renew us. Even us believers that have been Christians for a long time, let us be refreshed and renewed by the truth of grace, and let us walk in that grace. In Jesus' name we pray, Father. All God's people said, amen, amen. amen.